In 2021, Quip raised $100 million from investors to sell toothbrushes. So in the last two episodes, we've talked about how to figure out if the market that you're in now, if you own an e-commerce business today, or if you already have one that you're considering, is growing. And how to find a new growing market if you don't have one in mind, either if you're starting from scratch and you're like, I want to figure out a market to enter and then find a product within that market, or if you already own an e-commerce business, you find out that your current market isn't growing and you want to find one that is. So that's what we talked about in the last two episodes. And so the series that we're doing right now is about finding a massive breakthrough in e-commerce. So this is a 30-day series. We're a few episodes in and we're discussing the four breakthrough barriers to find that massive growth in your business. Barrier number one is the market. Got to make sure you're in the right market. Barrier number two is the merchandise. Have to make sure you have the right products. Barrier number three is the marketing. We've seen massive breakthroughs in businesses just by improving the marketing because they were already in the right market with the right products. So that's barrier number three. And barrier number four is the manager or you, the person running your business. So my goal is that you can basically go through these episodes pretty much like a checklist starting at the top and say, okay, nope, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. Oh, here's my problem. Here's the biggest opportunity for growth and see massive growth in your e-commerce business that you already have or the one that you start in the future. So today, we're in the final episode of the market breakthrough barrier. So breakthrough barrier number one, the market section. So we've said before that your life is much easier if you're in a growing market. E-commerce, fortunately for us, is growing 10 to 15% a year. There were some anomalies where it grew 30% uh, basically two years in a row during the pandemic. And so I believe last year I just saw an article on Marketplace Pulse. They said that 2023 it'll probably grow like 7.5%, but it's coming off of two 30% plus years. If you look before then, it was basically 15% a year. So I think an e-commerce growth rate of 10 to 15% a year is reasonable. And so you're good. Overall e-commerce, if you're in that kind of business, you're in a good spot. But you want to find a niche within e-commerce that's also growing because not all of e-commerce is going to be growing. There's going to be some markets that are shrinking and some that are growing even faster. So your goal is to find the fastest growing market possible because that's going to make your life so much easier. So we've covered a lot of that in the last couple episodes. In today's final episode of the market section, the first breakthrough barrier to e-commerce is what if your market is not growing? What if you really want to enter one or if you're already in one? And it doesn't happen to be a growing market based on what we talked about in the last couple episodes. Now, I gave you the example of Quip because they're selling toothbrushes. They sell a lot more stuff now, uh, but they're basically selling a nice, cool design toothbrush. And now I couldn't imagine that people were <laughs> brushing their teeth more than 10 years before when Quip raised $100 million. So what was so appealing to investors? Why were they willing to spend so much money investing in a company, probably at a high valuation of revenue or EBITDA, um, when all the person did was sell a product that's been around forever. And so I think this is an important lesson for us to learn here. So how do you win in a market that's not growing if you insist on entering a market that isn't growing? Now, my recommendation is you find one that is, but if you want to enter a market or you're already in one that's not growing, how do you win? Step number one, and I believe this is kind of non-negotiable, is make sure the market's big enough. And so I gave the example of a couple that I got to talk to uh, a week ago or so, a couple weeks ago maybe, and they're doing really well selling their product. They're owning the market, but they're selling pop guns, those little wooden guns that, you know, you um, pop the little piece of rubber out and the little string is attached that you see in, you know, theme parks and that sort of thing. So they're selling those. They're doing very well. If you search for them on Amazon, they're like number one. If you search for it on Google, their Amazon listing is number one. So they're getting all those sales also. 
But the problem is, is that's not very big of a market. It's more of a kind of a novelty people buy every once in a while. It's not something necessarily a lot of people are searching for and buying online. So it's not that good of a market. The market is not big enough for you to spend all your blood, sweat, and tears, time, energy, money to try to build a big business in that space. So step number one is to make sure the market is big enough. Now, that's all going to be relative. If this is your first business, you want to make sure that you can probably build at least a million dollar a year business, ideally $10 million. If you've already built multiple businesses, maybe you want to go bigger. So the first thing is to make sure that the market is big enough. One way to do this uh, is to just look on Amazon, even if you don't want to sell on Amazon, which my recommendation is that you sell um, on Shopify first as the core of your business and use Amazon as a supplementary sales channel. But Amazon still has a lot of good data that you can use to find out how a market is doing. Because if a consumer product is sold, there's some version of it sold on Amazon. So you can use an Amazon sales estimator that I mentioned, a business that we own called zoof.com. We have a Chrome extension that'll tell you how much any product is selling. Uh, or if you want a kind of a free and quick way, if you just look for products, say, say you wanted to sell toothbrushes. And so I would go to Amazon, search for toothbrushes, and then I'd open you know, maybe 10 or 20 different listings and then see if the best sellers rank is less than a thousand in that market, the top level category, probably beauty and personal care for toothbrushes. And so as long as you have multiple products, say five or more, that are all less than a thousand bestseller rank in that category, that's a good sign. The more accurate way to do it is to use, you know, a tool like Zoof or some of the other ones out there, but that's a good barometer. Five products or so with a bestseller's rank of less than a thousand in the highest level category, or you can just use an estimator um, tool. So step number one is you've got to make sure the market is big enough because if the market's not growing and it's not very big, you're going to do a whole lot of work for nothing because the way I see it is that, you know, it's almost all the same work, whether you make a lot of money or a little money. You got to find a product, you got to build a brand, you got to create advertising, social media, run the business, get inventory, all that kind of stuff. You might as well do it for a bigger opportunity than a small one. So, step number one, make sure the market's big enough. Step number two, and this kind of goes back to what I said a couple episodes ago, you have to find a unique angle in that market that you really believe offers big value versus what's already there. And so, uh, in a lot of markets, like the toothbrush market, for example, before Quip entered, uh, all the toothbrush is very boring. Um, nothing that exciting there. It's not something you'd really want to have out on your counter. They look cool. Um, so they went and created a really new, fresh design for that product. And so then it's something they're like, okay, now this looks a lot better. A company that recently did this and crushed it, the pandemic <laughs> made their life kind of difficult. Um, but was Away, Away, the kind of uh, travel suitcase company. Travel suitcase, little rolling sort of plastic bags, those had mostly been pretty boring. They're all pretty much black. They're all made of either cloth or something or other. But they took a unique design edge on there and they made it kind of like influencer worthy. And so both of these companies, quick, Quip in a way, absolutely crushed it in terms of growing their businesses with real sales uh, by upgrading some very boring products to make them new and fresh. Those markets weren't necessarily growing that much. I don't think a lot more people were brushing toothbrushes. There weren't necessarily a lot more people that are all of a sudden traveling and buying suitcases. It's just those were very stagnant markets and nobody was really doing much innovation there that people cared about. And so upgrading packaging design is one way to enter a market that is kind of stagnating. Also, a better offer. And so uh, you know, when, when Dollar Shave Club was acquired, I believe by Unilever for a billion dollars back in 2016, there wasn't necessarily more people shaving, uh, but they took a very good direct to consumer approach, great offer for their razors. 
And so now all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, now there's another option than just buying these things in whatever pack quantities in a CVS or Walgreens. So they gave people a different option, different pricing structure, automated delivery so people don't have to worry about going buying more of these things running up to the store. So a better offer is another way. So if you want to enter a market that's not growing, you better have something new and fresh to offer people, either on the product side, such as packaging or design or some new features that you think people really care about, or some sort of better value proposition or, or pricing offer. So, you know, there's been big companies that have entered these kind of things, uh, such as even Berkshire Hathaway. They bought the railroad out of all businesses. You have to imagine it was not growing very much. Railroad, Burlington, Northern Santa Fe. So they bought them years ago uh, because what they kind of realized is like, yeah, this railroad things, it's not that great of a business. It's very expensive to operate. There's not a lot of growth potential. But then they realized it kind of became like an oligopoly because all of these railroads railroads are already laid and it'd be almost impossible for people to be able to go and negotiate thousands of transactions to build any new railroads with individual property owners. And so then they realized, okay, this is not that growing of a market, but we kind of have an oligopoly here. There's only a few people and they basically control the entire market. So like, okay, maybe this is a good business. So they entered a stagnant market but found a way to win because of some interesting dynamics in that space. So people have done this. It's just not going to make your life as easy as entering a growing market that's just taking off like crazy. So you got to be aware because if a market, just to give you an example, is declining by 10% a year, that means it gets cut in half in about six years. And so if you enter that market or you're already in that market and you want your sales to grow, you have to grow your sales every year just to keep from declining because the whole market is going down. And so it makes your life that much harder. Uh, you know, it's basically kind of like running on a treadmill in reverse almost uh, makes your life very difficult. So highly recommend you enter a market that is growing like we talked about in the last couple of episodes. But these are a couple of ways that if the market you're entering is not growing, you could actually still win. So step number one, make sure it's big enough. Find that out with some Amazon estimator tools um, or just using the sort of BSR trick we talked about here, bestsellers rank. Step number two, do something unique on the product side, the packaging side, the design side or the offer side. If you're gonna enter with the same products everyone else has in a declining market, it's gonna be almost impossible to succeed. So you almost have to work harder. Doesn't mean it's impossible, uh, but you're gonna have to work harder to make that work. So the next breakthrough barrier we're gonna talk about, we're actually gonna start tomorrow, which is merchandise. I believe this is one of the biggest opportunities for people that own e-commerce businesses or are building e-commerce businesses that didn't matter so much um, five, six, seven years ago when you could just win with just marketing. Now you have to win with the right products. And I see so many businesses, e-commerce businesses that I've coached that are in our mastermind that they get stuck because they have products that used to work but don't anymore. And so we're gonna get into all of that starting tomorrow when we get into the merchandise section of this series. So you're gonna learn why even multi-billion dollar companies such as Coca-Cola, Monster Beverage, can't stand still when it comes to their products and why we can't either if we want to build amazing e-commerce businesses. So if you want all these episodes, especially the series that we're working on right now, 100% for free, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can just search on YouTube, Matt Clark, and you'll find me there. And I'll see you tomorrow.